0: We are rolling. Awesome. Hey, everybody. I'm Scott. I'm Teresa. Uh, We represent the pastoral staff at North Star Community, and this is a podcast recap. We have been recapping our messages on a mostly weekly basis. I think we've kept to that actually almost exactly. And um, so this is from the weekend of January 5th, which was a message that I gave.
1: Yeah. It's a good message. I got to say, though, that you had one statement in there that was uh, particularly triggery for me. Oh, okay. So can we clear that up to start with, and then maybe I can pay attention to the rest of it? Sure. It was that phrase that you used, I'm not even sure I'll get it right, where you talked about um, how people will often say in a very complimentary fashion, he or she is so strong in their faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. Um, It sent me off for a few minutes from the message, so I'm really glad that you're going to uh, recap it for me and fill in a couple of the places because you know I'm old as dirt. I'm really old. Okay. You'd be
0: as old as young dirt, maybe.
1: Okay, well, maybe young dirt. But still pretty old, and have been active in, uh, in faith communities since I was 21, when your dad and I got married as babies. Sure. And so I have, I hate to say this, but over 40 years of experience Of having people described as being extremely strong in their faith, only to find out that some of them were harboring dark secrets and extremely bad behavior.
0: Yes, these things happen even in the faith.
1: Yeah. So... I was taken by the phrase and was um, quite relieved to hear you not exhorting us to be strong in our faith, but instead to wrestle with what it meant to be weak. So it was a message that I really appreciated.
0: Okay. So you started that by saying that I really, that what I said really triggered you. Yeah. Um, Now, what... uh, is the trigger what you just described there of me- remembering all of the people who you thought were strong in their faith who had quite severe weaknesses, or was it something else?
1: No, it was that, and and how that scared me and freaked me out as a young believer, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, to describe... So uh, it
0: brought you back to a time where uh, when you were younger and you were very hurt by the shortcomings... Of others, because the short specifically because the shortcomings were shocking news.
1: Yes, and the thing of it was, is later on, you know, because I've been studying triggers lately, and then I found myself triggered, and then I, well, anyway, it was a big old long story, more than a podcast can hold, but Podcasts
0: lem- can be pretty long.
1: Well, let me tell you a story then. Okay. So um, you know that um, me and Granddaddy never took us to church, you know, when I was a kid. Eventually, we,
0: so we explored bef- it a little bit. before you tell that story, should we back up and just give like a 20-second, a like, what what is this all about kind of thing? What do you think? Yeah,
1: give a 20-second, and then I'll interrupt it with a trigger, which is pretty much how it really happens in real life, so maybe that'd be good.
0: Yeah, so we were talking about this passage. Um, we did a whole setup and everything, but, you know, the podcast format is different, so I don't have to deliver everything as it was delivered, but we talked in general about how weakness is generally considered a negative thing in our culture. And then we talked about this passage, this really uh, unique passage, where Paul talks about strength and weakness and how God can powerfully show up in weakness. Yeah. And um, I guess we'll, we'll maybe unpack some of the specific dynamics of that as we go along. But ironically, I started writing this message because of triggers that I think people have with respect to this passage, which are different than the ones that you mentioned. Yeah. And the trigger being a lot of people hear when they read this passage, I think because of shame, not because of the way the passage is worded, that God makes us weak so that he can appear so strong. Yeah. Which undergirds the distorted image of God that tells us That God needs all of the focus on him all of the time, that he's narcissistic, that he's not going to let us get away with getting credit for anything, so he will take away any abilities that we have to show how able he is as God.
1: Yes, and then I think people followed that up with incongruously message number two, which is so work harder to be strong, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: It
1: it makes no sense, but I mean, I think that's what happens. Yeah. Um, So anyway, yes, you have that message, but I didn't know you were going there. So what happened to me was I really got triggered back to my childhood. Yeah. So here's here's the deal. And my triggers often come from our childhood, but we don't think about them and we bring them into adulthood, which is why I think passages like this can sometimes be very triggering. So what happened to me is growing up in a family that didn't uh, go to church when I was a kid. um, And really in the whole of my childhood, there was about a period of about nine months when uh, my family went to church. But anyway, that's for another podcast. But what happened is I would spend summers with my grandparents who were quite devout. Mm-hmm. And they were in a very conservative Southern Baptist church. And I got to tell you, I loved everything about it. I loved my my grandmother's King James Bible. I loved the fact that my grandmother made me cute little outfits to wear to church. Uh, I loved this, the sermons, even though I thought they were too long. Uh, I loved the Bible stories. I loved the grape juice. I wasn't crazy about the stale crackers but at an early age I began to think that if our family was more faithful maybe it would be more stable and more happy mm-hmm. and then in a series of a, a reasonable very
0: reasonable enough thought yeah you know especially yeah. for a child
1: yeah so then in a series of I can, un, I can explain this more now, understanding dysfunctional family systems, but I couldn't understand it very well as a 10-year-old. From the time I was 10 to t- the time I was about 15, they went through three pastors in a row, all of whom mysteriously disappeared. And it took me forever to berate my grandparents into telling me the truth and eventually I found out that each one of said pastors who preached powerful sermons, they they were good orators, they were all charismatic in their own way, all ended up getting fired from the church because these married men with, with children that were in my Sunday school classes that I got to attend in the summer ended up cheating on their wives with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two of them were choir directors, which they ran off with, which also had families in the church, and one was a church secretary. Now, I found this completely devastating Yep. because nobody ever bothered to explain to me that you can be anything other than a person who strives to be strong in their faith. Now, when you do that, or... Uh, anything like that, which is a different misapplication of this passage, um, then you don't get to have any conversations about being weak or how God thinks of you if you're weak. So, geez, I didn't know if these guys had all been mysteriously killed by a serial killer after Southern Baptist pastors or what had happened to them. Yep. Um, And being a curious sort, that really got to me. So um, I think exploring this passage on weakness and strength and getting it contextually right offers us a ton of practical applications and and a lot of follow-up conversations in families, but also it offers a tremendous amount of comfort because i don't know whether you've where you've come across this passage before about strength and weakness but all of us should be able i think to find comfort in it
0: yeah although probably what's more likely to happen um, well, I apart from the passage, I think what tends to happen with those stories is you end up doing the classic old scapegoat mechanism. Yeah. Of well that one was a bad apple. Or right. that, that were or a bad seed or whatever. I don't know what the expression is. But like that, you know at some point you have to ask yourself a different question after it's happened three times in a row or with or three times in rapid succession or whatever but i think you know when we look at other people's moral failings i think we tend to think man that person uh is really missing the mark yeah rather than that person is very much like me in the darkness that i'm capable of right or the piece of me that that is darker than i'd like it to be right or something like that yeah and not it's hi- a little bit different than just weakness you know because weakness i think the kind of weakness that paul is talking about here is not an evil right uh but i i think that you know sometimes our weaknesses are related to areas of immorality
1: well and not to hijack the point of your podcast but to sort of wrap up my story is in the recounting of them telling me the story and I must have been a very annoying child because I remember this conversation pretty clearly and I would have been annoyed with me Um, they explained to me how all three of these men were very weak Hmm. and kind of deserved to be cast out
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I kept Asking, well, but I thought that the Bible taught about grace and mercy. Yep. And um, now, as old as I am, um, I continue to think about Lord, have mercy. If we just cast out everybody who we decide is weak, our churches will be empty. And um, so, I just, I just saw so many. Theological missteps happening and disconnects happening because we fail to appropriately embrace weakness and uh, with a little bit more compassion and clarity than, than yeah, maybe and is we sh- we
0: should do a separate podcast on that because um, I mean that sounds really good, but we have had to kick people out of our ministry before essentially. Or we've offered people opportunities to stay that they have refused, let's say. And um, I think we could be criticized for this the very thing you just mentioned. Aren't you a place of grace and mercy? Which, from our perspective, was offered and rejected. But I think that would be an interesting... I mean, it's its not oh. something we need to go into right now because it's, it's uh, too far afield. But... Um, that put, would be interesting to revisit. Put
1: it on the podcast calendar because that'd be a great combo.
0: Yeah. We'll All right. Do, now back we'll do we'll do a special episode.
1: Okay. Good. Now back. Well, heck, we could even do a message on it. Yeah. Um, so back to your point. You were in this uh, passage where we're talking about uh, weakness and God's strength. Um. Yeah. Coming to us in our weakness, and uh, tell me more about what you were thinking about that. I'm I'm always curious, what got you thinking about this message?
0: Well, like I said at the beginning, I I think that the way in which our culture uh, teaches us to think about weakness and strength does not actually position us well for understanding what those terms mean as it does relate to our faith and what the implications are of being strong or being weak um, in a life of faith.
1: Did you have any instances in your own life that made you uh, ponder this question, or were you in your theological castle thinking about this stuff?
0: (laughs) Well, I I mean- The castle of your mind. Well, what I said at the beginning is where it came from, which is, uh, and I guess I'll recap. Um, I have had conversations with people who have a really hard time figuring out what to do with this passage because it makes, li- it, makes it sound like God makes people weak so he can appear strong. Yeah. <clears throat> now when you take that idea off the table, if, if you can take that idea out of your mind and just read what's there, you won't ever see that because it isn't there. However, it's an idea that gained popularity somehow and has become part and parcel of how people teach this passage such that it becomes common enough. And I'm always thinking about, I guess in, in my message prep, I'm always thinking about ways in which God has been misrepresented. Yeah. And I think that people in recovery communities, for whatever reason, um, often have received a lot of these messages about God that misrepresent God and make it uh, difficult for them to think that God would even include them
1: yes how do you feel about that when you uh, have somebody sitting in one of our groups and they're telling you something that somebody told them about God that you know is just so off base
0: Um. yeah I mean I guess my desire which I try to curtail somewhat is I really want to fix that for them yeah You know, because I think that um, having, you know, not that anybody can ever have a a completely accurate uh, depiction of who God is in their mind, but, you know, having as accurate as we can get, having some idea of the character of God and the loving mercy of God, having some understanding of that, deep understanding, deep belief. Um, is, I kind of don't like this phrase, but it's a game changer. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, um, you know, it can really alter, uh, the path that you're on in life. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's so important. It, it, it really is so important. I mean, like, I, I guess when I learned is not the right word, but when I discovered that, um you know, put me on a whole different path. And it changed everything. And, um, I don't want people to miss out on that just because they've had bad teachers. Yeah. Um, at the same time though, these are not things that you can correct just by saying, that's a bad idea. Right. We need to fix, we need to tell you the other, the other idea. And then, and then the problem will be solved. I, I, so, you know, when it happens in in an actual conversation with somebody, it, you know, you kind of have to listen and let it play out and make hints or suggestions or just trust the long game and keep giving messages to the contrary and hope that it sinks in. Uh, and that- this isn't
1: saying that we think everybody gives a bad message, but there are certain themes of bad messaging that uh, we keep knocking up against. And yep. uh, I appreciate your ability to take a long view. I will tell you that it just really irritates me. Mm-hmm. Because life is hard enough and faith is hard enough without stacking the deck against us by uh, having a uh, poor foundation in, um, in understanding Scripture. Which so I've really hijacked the podcast. So I'll just go a little further in that to say that that's why sort of an anti-intellectual approach at the study of scripture and not appreciating uh, uh, theological training also really bugs me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I will I will check my irritation at the door and continue to be. Interested about what you're going to say next about this passage?
0: Yeah, so I guess um, I guess to complete the thought about where the where the message comes from is, um, you know, I, I I mentioned the cultural piece um, of we're not set up well to understand weakness and strength from a uh, let's say Christian perspective, and you know, I I gave a couple of examples in the message about. How, you know, you can walk down the street and see somebody wearing a t-shirt that says only the strong survive or something like that. Yeah. And that is, you know, uh, to a certain extent or, uh, you know, I I I have certain people in my Facebook feed, for instance, who have these inspirational memes. And uh, it's not uncommon to see messages like that, you know, like only the strong survive yeah. or... You know, you have to become stronger in order to handle what's thrown at you and things like that. I mean, it's such a a common message. Yeah. And um, there's no part of that message that teaches us the importance of assisting people with disadvantages, for instance. Right. I mean, our culture, when you think about the message, only the strong survive, and you think about how pervasive it is, that essentially teaches us that weak people should have gotten stronger (laughs) you know what I mean oh yeah yeah like uh uh if you can't figure this out on your own if you can't figure out your weakness or your disadvantage on your own then you deserve to be either isolated in it or you deserve the death that it's going to bring you and that is so hopeless
1: well yes but you know um I would also say that sometimes it's a defense mechanism uh, to distance ourselves from um, the anxiety some of us might feel or the suffering we might experience in terms of an empathic response or compassion or whatever. Because that's frankly true. it's easier to blame weak people than it is to sit with weak people.
0: Now it, that's I think- that's that's true. But the message is still sent and received. Oh yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's that's a problem that we are up against. And it's a big problem. Because and this is something that I said to the group, just imagine living in a culture that taught us the importance of assisting people with disadvantages. Oh yeah. Imagine how different things would be. Oh yeah. And so but i mean on the on the you know at the same time you know so that message to me is only a stone's throw um from from the kind of thought that god would make us weak so he could appear strong oh, yeah yeah um, well
1: and i can even think about this on a extremely personal level um about uh friendship even and in terms of thinking about um, my own particular weaknesses, as it relates to being both friendly and and a friend, um, you know, I I I've got weaknesses. I I can't keep up with the strength and. Uh, the strength model in my own life and I am grateful to have people in my life who don't require me to be good or strong who uh, accept me for the consistent ways that I am weak and um, so I think that what you're talking about has extremely practical implications in terms of our yeah, personal yeah I would think so
0: because <laughs> I mean look the God who um The God who makes people weak just so he can flex his muscles is not the God that works through people to care for the disadvantaged. Yeah. Um, And so...
1: Who themselves have their own disadvantaged ways of being in the world.
0: Sure. But that's a pretty key character trait to miss. And... So it's it's pretty important that we speak back into that. And to your point from earlier, um, you know, the reason that I brought up the phrase "he is strong in her faith" or "she is strong in her faith" was because the times when I've heard that, um, when I've reflected on it, or at least the times that I've heard it most recently, it's rarely because somebody has displayed some kind of, you know, special maturity. And it's more often because somebody's dealing with something really hard and they're not complaining about it. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I mean, nobody likes a whiner, but I also don't think not voicing your struggle is a virtue.
1: Oh, totally agree. Because
0: I think so often, you know, people think they're not talking about how hard this is. Therefore, they're not a complainer. Right. Whereas I look at that and say, you know... Somebody's not talking about how hard something is and you know that it's hard. They're not really being vulnerable. Right. Now, vulnerability can transition into complaining. Right. right? But I mean that's a that's a that's a whole separate issue and you have to do one in order to get to the other. So right. if you if you're doing neither, then there's this idea that uh, we must project strength. Right. And I think that's really the piece that was the biggest thing for me in um, preparing the message and what I wanted to speak back into, that faith is not about projecting strength.
1: Nor is it about developing uh, stoicism to handle life. Right. On so many levels, that's a problem. Um, So yeah, I agree with you.
0: I think, to go along with what both of us are just saying, I mean, I think this is ultimately uh, exactly what this passage is about. I mean, this passage comes, Paul is is telling his audience, essentially, not to pay attention to these super apostles, who are great speakers and convincing, and, you know, people are now starting to say, I follow this apostle, or I follow that apostle, and Paul's kind of like, you should be a follower of God, and the people are God's instruments and not the other way around. But the yada, 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 there's context and details and such that, you know, you could get into if if uh, you, we're not going to get into it. But the, the bottom line is there's this idea that projecting strength is uh, a good thing, you know, that, that a person is more faithful if they can project a lot of strength. And Paul is almost saying the opposite of that. That when you are weak, God will lift you up. When you are weak, God will move through you. Uh, God's grace is the product of carrying you when you are at the end of your rope. And that is a very, very different message from I'm going to make you weak so I can be strong. Yeah. It's you are going to be weak, possibly. And when that happens, I'm here to carry you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are just two completely opposite depictions yeah. of God. And so that's why Paul is content to talk about his weakness because he knows that ultimately he's testifying to the goodness of God's character when he talks about his weakness. He's not doing some kind of weird humble brag. Right. He's not actually <clears throat> proud of the fact that he's weak. He's proud of what kind of God he follows who carries the weak.
1: Right, exactly. I do love that, and I love all the ways that that remembering that can help us actually do things in the midst of stress, problems, heartache that are actually quite um, healing. And uh, it's just a huge point. It's a huge point in uh, to help us um, know what to do when we are weak.
0: And I think, you know, one of the things that I... That I closed with I know you're kind of pushing me to be a little more practical but uh, you know I I still do, we're, we're in the recovery world so uh, we're kind of past this kind of thinking in many ways but it's still so prevalent uh, that people believe that the path to overcoming substance use is a matter of willpower or a, a, you know a matter of dedication or strength.
1: You know that's so crazy because People are always bringing me books, which I love. Keep keep them coming. Mm-hmm. If, you know, books, chocolate, and peanut butter are my are my jam. But somebody brought me a book from a very famous uh, and well advertised treatment facility, and they've got a whole chapter on how everybody in the recovery community has gotten it wrong that you too can be strong. I just wanted to light a match to that book, but um, not just because I don't think it's good recovery conversation, but because I actually think that the best life is when our lives and our understanding of who God is align properly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's a that that's a that's a bust on both fronts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I sort of I mean perhaps. Uh, if what they're saying is, you know, they're attempting to self-empower people to take responsibility for their recovery or something like that. Maybe that's a version of strength I can get behind. But I think the model um, that's being presented to us in this passage is one where we can actually accept our weakness uh, because we know what kind of God we have. Uh, you know, the Bible rarely talks about people being strong in their faith. It probably happens from time to time, but they don't use that language. But far more often it talks about the fact that God is our strength, right? That we rely yeah. on a power greater than ourselves. And yes. so I think that, you know, part of the message was it's great if you can get sober. It's a beautiful thing. You know, thinking specifically about the Healing Place guys on Sunday morning. If you right. can get sober, that's a beautiful thing. But if not, that doesn't mean you're worthless. Yes. Um, and it doesn't mean you're worthless because we have a God who's not interested in creating a whole bunch of people who can get stronger and more able and more capable. But we follow a God who's perfectly content to work through the week. Now, what that looks like specifically... I'm not sure yeah, but I believe it it's possible and I don't believe that we should abandon people who are struggling um, because that seems to be the opposite of what's being taught here yeah yeah
1: remember one time when we were in Austin and Austin has appears to me to have a fairly large homeless population <clears throat> and the person I was with was uh Every time we came to somebody, they gave them a little bit of money, and and I was like, you know, tell me about your decision to do this, you know, um, give out the give money every time. And I was like, you know, somebody was positing to me recently the fact that you shouldn't give homeless people money because they're just going to use it for drugs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, we all struggle with how to be compassionate with our homeless population. And this person uh, was not struggling at all. And what she said to me is, what they do with that money is up to them. But she said, after a while of walking by homeless people um, in various cities that I've been in, I just decided that, I couldn't keep ignoring the need right and uh, she said really this this money is more of an expression of who I want to be yeah and it is not about trying to figure out some way uh, to leverage the fact that I have money to compel these people to change their choices in life
0: right yeah
1: I thought that was an absolutely amazing perspective
0: yes I think so, too. And I think, you know, maybe the last thing I'll say, I feel like I've probably been pretty long-winded, is that, and I think you've made this point a couple of times, that we all have weaknesses. um, We all have disadvantages. That's not to say that all weaknesses and all disadvantages are at the same level, right? But that we all have things that we struggle with, and we all have areas of weakness, and all have areas where we'd like to be stronger and I think it's at, at least worth considering what would it mean if I never get better at this no matter how hard I try what if this never changes what if I'm stuck with this what does that mean about me because I think we can often convince ourselves to avoid dealing with uh... difficult th- with with our limitations by thinking that if we do this we're gonna get better at it if we do that we're gonna get better at it and we If you're constantly coming up with a strategy for how to get better at your limitation or fix your limitation or eradicate your limitation, then maybe you're not living in the reality of what life or God is throwing at you. And maybe that's a spot where God can actually go to work. Yeah. If it doesn't change. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily what that means or what that looks like. I know that's an abstract idea, but I suppose the concrete thing there is learning to embrace weakness and not view it as only a negative thing that must be escaped and realizing that good things can happen there.
1: And maybe uh, I think it's it's not a far stretch to say that maybe good things can happen as a result of being honest about our weakness and maybe looking for how God might be showing up in the middle of it for you. Yeah. You know, in closing, we talked about how, uh, I remember we got on this uh, tangent in the message when you gave it, but I thought it was really good that in closing, what we could think about is that the beauty of community uh, that accepts limitations acknowledges them believes that God shows up in the middle of them is that we can actually be a people who as a community are more whole more healthy um, more able to bear God's image as a community as some of us cover over the weaknesses of others Mm -hmm. and I think that all of us uh, can benefit from that. I think about how often you and I benefit from Linda's capacity uh, to hold on to details when we cannot. Yep. And I think about how people in our community who are very focused on saying yes to service projects often bear the weight of... Doing the work of the service projects when not everybody is in a position to be able to show up for that. Right. So as a community, uh, we benefit from this uh, bringing all our offerings in every sense of the word and sharing it with one another. And so I I do love that and. Man, if you're not acknowledging your weaknesses, um, how do we know what we need to cover? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Linda and you and I are very clear about what our weaknesses are and what her strength is. And a lot of stuff gets caught that wouldn't otherwise.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Well, it's been fun.
0: Yeah, I think that's about all I've got.
1: I bet you're going to play some music from...
0: Oh, it's already playing. Blue it's dot playing. sessions. It's playing right under us. Really? Yep. It's and blue I bet it's sessions.
1: beautiful. And I bet if anybody else wants to find it, they could go to sessions.blue.
0: You nailed it nailed it in one! I'm shocked that you finally got that.
1: I'm telling you.
0: Yes, it's royalty free, which means we don't have to pay for it. But we do have to pub them and we're happy to do so because we like the music. So you can find them on the web at sessions.blue. If you have found us by virtue of the wizardry, the sorcery of the internet, you have no idea who we are, where we are or what we do. You can learn more about us at www.northstarcommunity.com. Once again, I'm Scott. I'm Teresa. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye bye.